Welcome to the Wellspring Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message from this Sunday's service. Awesome. We have these cards, and um, this is what they say. It says, Jesus is alive. How many of you know Jesus is alive? Come on. It says, because he died and rose again, I have been redeemed from blank. And then it says, I am now fully alive. The same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead lives in me. And next Sunday is Easter. And we know this is that on Easter Sunday, people who uh, don't usually come to church come to church, right? Which is awesome. It's awesome. I just think about the thousands that are gonna hear the gospel this, this week um, through various ways. And I think it's a beautiful thing. And I think as a body, we should be asking the Lord and covering what he wants to do in our region and in the earth. And so I, I wanna ask a couple of things from you guys coming up this weekend is because honestly, this weekend isn't going to look a whole lot different as far as what we do in the house, as far as coming to him. But I, like I said, there are going to be people who they need Jesus. And every week there are people here that need Jesus, but we just know there is an influx. And I'm, so this is what I want to ask you is I want you this week to be praying and saying, Lord, give me your heart. Give me your eyes, give me your ears. And as you come, there are going to be people that the Lord wants you to love on and you to minister to, you to share a prophetic word with, you to be able to say, hey, this is what you're doing, Lord. And, um, and so that's the first thing I'm asking of you. The second thing is Saturday evening, we have a worship service and then Sunday morning, our 10 a.m. service for Easter. What we're gonna do is we're gonna fill the room with testimony. We're gonna fill the room with, Lord, this is what you've done because you are alive. And what happens is when we fill the room with testimony, it fills the room with faith. For somebody who says, man, I've been going through this and that thing that the Lord delivered them from, Lord, he, you, if you did it for them, you can do it for me. And so this is what I'm asking you, is you to take one of these cards this week and you to begin to write down, this is what the Lord has done. And each of our service, for as long as we can, we are gonna give opportunity for people just to come to read what's on the card. If you get off the card, we might take the mic from you, okay? <laughs> just for time's sake. And so, but I, I wanna fill the room with what the Lord has done. It's one, of, it's, it's one of the ways we overcome is by the word of our testimony, right? And so maybe for some of you, you're saying, you, you need to take this week to remind yourself of what the Lord's done. And so it's gonna be a beautiful thing. We're gonna fill the room with testimony. It's gonna fill the air with faith. And I believe that um, hearts are gonna be drawn near to Jesus. Amen? Amen. All right, y'all good? All right. I, um, I have a, a message planned. And then this morning when I got here, um, the Lord put something on my heart. So I'm gonna start with what I, I feel like the Lord was saying this morning, and then if we get to the planned message, we'll get to that, cool? All right, y'all good? It's okay for you to talk back, it's good. All right, if you have your Bibles, turn to Ephesians 2, or your cell phones, there's an amazing Bible app. As you turn there, I'm just gonna pray. Lord, we just love you today. We set our hearts before you. We just open our hearts to your word, to what you're saying, to all that you are. I thank you, Lord, that um, your anointing 
It breaks the yoke of bondage. And so today, Lord, we say we need you. We need you. Lord, I, we, right now, we just submit every word to you. Lord, I thank you that your presence is with us right now. I thank you that you are teaching us, that you are maturing us, that you are forming us, that you are building us. I thank you that this is your body. It's your church, Lord. This is all yours, so come and have your way today. I thank you, Lord, for just honor and reverence for you in the room. We just turn to you and we say, Lord, you are the leader. You are our everything. You can come and say whatever you want. Our hearts are open. We say, Lord, you can come and offend our minds so that you can touch our hearts. And so we just give way to you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Awesome. I am going to um, pull a couple of um, words from Ephesians 2. I felt like the Lord was sharing this with me this morning. Ephesians 2 is this beautiful chapter that I think is, it, it covers so much, all right? It starts off where it is teaching us, it, it says, um, actually, let me get to the right place here. It says, as for you, turn to somebody and say, as for you. It says, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is at work and those who are disobedient. Verse three says, all of us who lived among them at one time gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. This is saying there was a moment for all of us where we didn't know him, where we had yet to experience salvation. We had yet to experience um, his grace and what he had for us. We did our own thing, but then it says in verse four, but because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in transgressions, it is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. It then goes on into verse 10. It says, for we are God's handiwork created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. So this gives us a few things here. It's saying that you have been saved. You have been saved by grace. How many of you have been saved by grace? How many of you are thankful that you've been saved by grace? Then it goes on to talk that you have been seated in heavenly places. This means that he gave you an inheritance. He restored you to his original intent for your life is that you are now seated with him. If you're seated, it means the work is done, it's finished. And so you are seated and you are abiding in a finished work that Jesus did, amen? And then it says that you are God's handiwork, that he created you for good works. This, these three things are God's plan of redemption. Okay, we love redemption. I love to, say, to see things redeemed. This building, this property, um, the Lord has redeemed this property. The Lord has redeemed what, what the enemy meant for evil. God turned around and he's saying, I will have this. I will be glorified here. I will be honored here. The Lord loves to redeem. And so he has already redeemed your life. Whether or not you've walked into the fullness of that or not, he has redeemed you. And so, but here's the deal. I'm about to jump back into Ephesians 2 because 
redemption in our lives, when we have been saved, we know we're seated with him and we know we were created for good things, meaning that we have been given a purpose, we've been given a destiny in him. That is ground zero, okay? That's, where, that's the starting point. Redemption brings us to ground zero. It brings us to the place where the Lord can actually build something, okay? So a lot of us, so the Lord actually wants to full, you to walk in the full redemption he has already paid for for your life to bring you to this place where he can actually is going to build something. So redemption is beautiful, but it wasn't the end goal, okay? It was to bring you to ground zero. So why don't you turn to somebody and say, well, what is the end goal? I'm gonna, thank you for asking. I'm gonna, I'm gonna show you. The Ephesians 2 then goes on to where Paul talks about the Jew and the Gentile. He talks about that because of the cross, a people who were not his people are now his people. And from a people who weren't his people and a people who were his people, he is now saying, you're all my people and we are moving towards this one thing. He's saying that you all have equal access now to God, to the Father. And if you look in verse 14, it says, for he himself is our peace, who has made the two groups one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, talking about Jews and Gentiles, thus making peace and in one body to re reconcile both of them to God through the cross by which he put to death their hostility. 17, he came and preached peace to you who were far away and peace to those who were near. That's beautiful, that's what Jesus did. For through him, through Jesus, we both have access to the Father by one spirit. All right, now this is where we're saying, God, what is your goal? He said this, consequently, so because, because he removed every barrier that separated us, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household. So you have been brought near. That's good news. It's good news. And then it says, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. So now this language moves towards, he's talking about what he's building. If you're wondering, what is Jesus doing? What is he doing in his body? What is, he, what is he up to? This is what he's building. So he starts mentioning building terms, says that the, the apostles and prophets are building a foundation and Jesus is the cornerstone, meaning he's the center. If we're talking about the body, he is the head. He is, without him, it doesn't exist. He is the point, he is, he is what holds it all together. He is the reason we gather here today, right? It's all about him. What he is building in your life, your life as a believer is built only by connection with him. Apart from being connected to him, nothing will be built in your life. That will actually stand, right? Then it goes on to say, in him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. So he's saying corporately, with all of his people, as we are being connected to him, he is building a place that he can come and dwell. 
a place that he can come and he can touch with his presence and he can say, I actually want to form my nature and myself in you as I come and just dwell with you. It's what he's doing corporately. And then it says in 22, and in him, you too are being built together. So he moves from corporate language to individual to say also individually, he's building you together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. God's goal is to fully dwell in you, is that you would be full of him, fully, fully alive in him. That's what he's building in your life. He's redeemed you. Now what does he wanna do? He wants to come and, and he wants to make a habitation in your life. What does he want? Is his goal just to redeem the church? He, does, he is redeeming the church. We are redeemed, but what is he doing? He's building us to where we are people that know how to say, God, you can come and you can do whatever you want here. You can come and you dwell here. How many of you know when he's present and he's the leader, whatever he wants is gonna happen? We don't have to worry if we've got it all together. We don't have to worry if we've got the best plan. When we have made a place for him and he is present, whatever he says goes. And whatever he's doing, that's what we do. Amen? And so what is he doing in this hour is I believe that he is teaching us how to walk out redemption so that he can begin to build us into people who are a dwelling place for him. Amen? Awesome. I wanna, before I... Um, Keep moving on. I want to read this in the, the Passion Translation, verse 21. It says, this entire building is under construction and is continually growing under his supervision. I almost said supervillain, which is not the word I was looking for. His supervision until it rises up completed as the holy temple of the Lord himself. And check this out. It says, this means that God is transforming each one of you He's transforming each one of you into the Holy of Holies, his dwelling place through the power of his, the Holy Spirit living in you. You are a walking Holy of Holies. Come on, you're a walking Holy of Holies. As you begin to allow him to build you up and you're connected to him, you become a walking Holy of Holies. You walk into a room and your name is the place where God dwells. Why would you ever wanna be anything else? Why would you wanna give yourself to anything else? I'm saying this, I wanna be fully his because I wanna I want be a walking holy of holies. I wanna walk into a room and his presence is there because I'm there and because I'm full of him. That's what the Lord is wanting to build in your life, amen? Now, I believe that the Lord is also calling us out of something so that we can be that. I, I, I wanna kind of speak to, this is something I actually taught on about a year ago. And I believe, um, I believe the Lord it was highlighting this to me this week and really wanted me to bring this um, to, um, just to the forefront of, of our minds and not that we can dwell on this, but how many of you know it's important that um, we are aware of spiritual things? that we are aware of what the enemy is up to and that and we don't just dwell and say, oh no, this is what the enemy's doing, but we, we see what he's doing and then the Lord gives us the counter to that. The Lord says, hey, that's what he's doing, but this is what I'm doing. See, all the enemy knows how to do is to just try and twist what God's doing. Usually in your life, 
the thing, the negative thing you believe about your life is actually just the contradiction to what God's actually called you to and who he's made you to be. You usually find the fearful person was meant to be the boldest person in the room. They were meant to be full of love and courage. And, um, and so the enemy doesn't, he, he's not good at creating on his own. What he does is he just tries to take what God created and to twist it, right? So um, again, I spoke on this about a year ago, but I wanna talk about exposing a religious spirit, okay? And maybe for you, you're like, oh, what's that? Good question. Um, I wanna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna give you uh, some language for this, but I wanna talk about what you're called to. I wanna talk about what we're called to in this region. I wanna talk about us walking out the fulfillment of what God has in mind for this region. I wanna talk about what, um, that as us as a body, no one excluded what the Lord has for us. And, um, and I wanna invite you in to be a part of that. How many of you wanna be a part of what God's doing? Look, it probably looks different than just our normal church. I, I believe that we are, in a, we are in a time where the Lord is like, I love the gathering. I've probably told you this so many times. I love gathering. I love Sunday mornings. I look forward to it all week. But I believe that he is causing us from Monday through Saturday into Sunday to be a people that are a walking holy of holies. That... Um, that I don't want our gatherings just to become a social club where we just say, hey, this is our thing, but where we actually walk in the power of his presence. Wherever we go, he is speaking life. Is that you come here to get encouraged, you come to encourage others, we come to honor the Lord, but as we go, we are walking with him and he is flowing out of our lives, amen? So I, I believe that it is, a lot of times the places even where we are unaware of that we are in agreement with a religious spirit that causes us not to walk in the power that the Lord has called us to walk in. So um, let's start in Malachi chapter three, verse 17 says, on the day when I act, says the Lord Almighty, they will be my treasured possession. I will spare them just as a father has compassion and spares his son who serves him. And you will again see the distinction between the righteous and the wicked, between those who serve God and those who do not. I believe we're an hour where the Lord is wanting to bring a distinction to his body, where there is something so distinct about your life. There's something so distinct where it says, oh, that's someone who knows the Lord. And um, Jesus, if there was ever a model for ministry, it was Jesus. It is Jesus. He is our model for ministry. Jesus, this is how he did ministry. In John chapter five, the, he, he tells a group of people, he says, I just do whatever I see the Father doing. He says, out of communion with him and relationship with him, I live. What he does in me is what I do. Okay, um, so the goal is that we're gonna focus on Jesus, not on the enemy, but we are gonna expose everything the enemy would try to do to get in the way of the goal. Um, let me bring def definition to a religious spirit. This is it, religious spirit. The religious spirit is a demonic force that operates in the lives of believers who, are, who live by biblical principles and perform Christian activities, but are not dependent on the Father and led by the Holy Spirit. It is this, is whenever you've come under the influence of just natural carnal things and you have a good set of rules that you live by, 
right? And you even perform some Christian duties, but you don't know the power that could really set you free. Okay, and this isn't a condemning thing. I'm wanting to just expose what the enemy tries to do. All right, under a religious spirit, when things are or feel messy, we build more rules and theology in order to protect perception. Everything seeming okay is the goal. We become well put together on the outside, but dead on the inside. This is why Jesus called the religious leaders whitewashed tombs. So it is a form without the power. And I believe that this is the spirit that has influenced this region, but I believe, the, I believe the winds are changing. I believe something is shifting. As the body comes in under the influence of the Holy Spirit, we begin to step out of just having a form into where we actually are walking holy of holies, where we carry him. Amen? Amen. All right. Um, I'm gonna kind of run through this. I'll, I'll actually, this week, we'll share the notes with you through email um, because I'm about to give you a lot. Um, I believe one of the great indicators that you are being influenced by a religious spirit is that you have a critical eye and a critical mouth is um, especially towards the body, um, where you just become critical. You say, well, that's not this, that's not that. And instead of having God's solution, instead of having God's solution, you actually are fighting the Lord with your mindset and with your mouth. And the Lord is looking for agreement. You know, there's lots of people I see who are gifted, but gifts without the right spirit Gifts without a kingdom mentality um, can destroy. They can, what is meant to encourage can discourage people. But whenever we have the spirit of God, who is the one who actually gave us the gifts of the spirit, there's life there. There's encouragement there. Amen? And so um, the Lord wants to set us free from being critical. Um, a lot of times you can see that um, when people are suspicious of, of miracles and spiritual things, um, it's amazing. You can look through the New Testament and the Pharisees who were the religious leaders, they got so angry at the miracles of Jesus. They even said that, well, he's able to perform these and cast out demons because he's full of the devil. And Jesus was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Why would, if, if I was in union with them, why would I be casting them out? And they, a young man who was born blind gets healed and they, they wanna bring him to court and be like, like who told that, who, who gave Jesus permission to heal you? And, and they just, it's, it's almost comical. It's almost like, are you, really? This young man who's been blind his whole life, he sees it's the hand of God, it's miraculous, but because of the influence, because of what the, the, they were under the influence of a spirit and didn't have the spirit of God, they could only be suspicious because it confronted their form. It confronted, the spirit will confront every form in your life that lacks power. And, and I, I don't know about you, but I want to welcome that. I want to welcome the confrontation of the Holy Spirit. Confront everything in me that doesn't look like you. You can confront everything in me that doesn't have life on it. It doesn't always feel good. 
It's not, it's not fun, but it is good. It is so good when he begins to cut away things from your life that don't belong. And for me, I'm telling this to us, and we're exposing this not for the sake of condemnation, but for the sake of freedom, right? Amen. All right. 1 Samuel 16, verse six through seven says, when they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, do not consider his appearance or his height for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the thing people look at, the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And I believe when you, one of the marks of someone who is led by the Holy Spirit is you are able to look at someone's life and to see not only their heart, but the Lord's heart for them. How many of you know we need to come under, fully come under the influence of the Holy Spirit? It's how we were meant to live. It is the good life. The New Testament talks over and over again about the Spirit-led life. I love, you should go read Romans 8. It says, for all who are led by the Spirit are the children of God. How are you the children of God? You are led by the Spirit. How are you led by the Spirit? You've come in surrender and humility and you said, I'm not moving until you move. You set your feet in the ground and you say, I have committed to honor you. I've committed to only move with you. Amen? I believe the Lord is wanting to consecrate his people. I believe that he doesn't want you giving yourself to a bunch of things. We think that the only way that we get life right is if we have a hand on everything. I believe if you would simplify and make him your one thing, then everything else would flow through it. Every, he would give you wisdom to walk out being a parent. He would give you wisdom to walk out in business and administration, whatever that looks like, the Lord will lead you in that because he's faithful. So in James, it says, if you lack wisdom, ask for wisdom because he's generous, right? He wants to supply you. He wants to be your source. But a lot of times we have settled for a method and a form where we say, well, if I just do this, then I'll get the right results. And you can't live that life and know what the Lord has for you. You will miss it. You have to become bendable to the Lord. I'm not saying that your life just has zero order. It's one of the things we talk about is that we, we come with our plan, but we hold it loosely before the Lord, right? That was Proverbs say, it says, um, I used to get this wrong so much because it says, um, the man, a man has his plans, but the Lord orders his steps. And I used to think, well, I'm not even gonna make plans because the Lord's gonna order my steps anyways. And, uh, and I realized I wasn't honoring the Lord. Is I was actually being, um, I, wasn't, I wasn't stewarding life well, but what I do is it is a heart posture. It is how you position your heart before the Lord where you say, Lord, Here's, here's what I've planned and what I've thought out, but it's, here, it's all yours. I'm gonna do this. Look, in the kingdom, it's always a green light until it's a red light. With the Lord, he gives you a green light. And as you're walking with him, he's gonna say, oh, not that. You see, um, Paul, he'll talk about, hey, I, I, he would write to a church and say, hey, I plan to come to you. But then the Holy Spirit said, no, he brought me a different direction. He, he made plans. And then the Lord say, oh, come this way instead, right? All right. All right, I wanna give you, um, 
I'm about to kind of A, B some things. I'm gonna talk about, I really wanna bring some depth, take the next few minutes and define really well for you what it looks like in a religious culture, in a religious mindset, being influenced by a religious spirit. Um, I think one of, another great indicator is fear and control. It's fear and control. Um, I wasn't gonna share this, but I'm gonna share it now. Um, there is, and I might be butchering this, but I believe it was, um, there is this method or this idea called Newtonianism. Um, I could be butchering that, but I think that's it. But it was this idea of um, controlled output, okay? And you have A plus B, you've got the right ingredients, you do this, you see, well, you see it a lot in, with machinery and stuff, it is producing a controlled outcome. How many of you like controlled outcomes in your life, right? Let's just be honest, like we, we like to know what we're gonna get. We like to know if I put this in, we like, like if you're baking, I don't bake, but Austin bakes, she's great at baking. You know if I put in the right things and I do this, I should get an awesome chocolate chip cookie, amen. I just, I just lost every other train of thought whenever I said chocolate chip cookie. But we, we like that. And, and honestly, it, man, that's awesome, right? Controlled outcome. But, um, and, and, uh, and there was a moment in American, with America where that Newtonianism, this idea, it began to influence every realm of life. Business, the family, it's like, okay, you do this, 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 we're gonna get this. And it even began to um, influence the church to where if we do this, this, and this, we get this. And that's all great, but it leaves absolutely zero room for the Holy Spirit, right? And you can have something that looks great and something you thought was the goal, but it doesn't mean it was God's goal. It doesn't mean it was the Lord's heart, right? And so I'm not telling you that you can't have places of controlled outcome in your life and that you shouldn't in some ways work towards that, but you have to let the Holy Spirit be the dominating voice in your life where you have given him room, you are bendable to him, you are pliable. He can come and change your plans and it doesn't throw you off where you don't know what you believe anymore because oh my goodness, what? But when this life that's led by him, it's adventurous. And I believe there are seasons where he allows there to be th like just where there's ease and there's grace. And sometimes it's just like, Lord, I'm walking with you. I, 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 don't, I can't see what's in front of me, but you told me to go in this direction and I'm going. And I've found this, those, those moments used to scare me, but now I've found that those moments where I'm not sure, but I know he's speaking, I look forward to those moments. I'm like, I know what's on the other side of that. Actually, I don't know exactly what, but I know he's there. If he's leading me, he's there. He's already been there. This is his idea. His ideas are the best ideas. He will let you have your ideas. He let Adam name the animals. He will let you create. But there is something about when you have his creative breath and his creative word that is leading you and, and guiding you and you are walking in that, there is nothing like that. There is nothing like when you have brought everything to him and you said, Lord, you can direct it. You come and speak to this. You come and show me what to do. That is the life that we are called to. 
And I believe that he is calling us to be a spiritually minded people. But if you want to be someone who is a spiritually minded person, someone who is led by the spirit, you have to begin to cut away the places of your life where you are feeding on natural things that are robbing you of a spiritual mindset. I, I, I desire for you that you would mature in the Lord. But I can tell you this, Maturity does not come as a result of you having the perfect like study plan every day and the perfect look. I've got my 30 minutes where I read this, this, and this, and then me and the Lord talk about this, this, and this. And I, I believe walking with the Lord looks like it is continual, meaning that when I'm in the car, when I'm at work, I'm listening to him. I'm not saying don't have your Bible plan and all that, but I'm saying leave room for him to come and do what he wants to do in your life. Because I, I found this, is that there are times when I thought he was doing one thing because I assumed only to hear him say what he's doing and it looks totally different than my idea. And his idea actually bore fruit, right? All right, let me A-B some stuff. I'm already, it's, it's 11.30, we're having a good time. All right. All right, so in religion, we are taught to fear bad things because exposure to them will make us bad. Dependency on the Lord reminds us that we are the righteousness of God in Christ and that we have been given the ministry of reconciliation. We are light and salt. I remember as a kid, like Halloween would come around. In our home, we would, uh, we would just turn out all the lights and pretend like we weren't there because we were scared like someone knocked on the door and trick or treat and something evil was gonna happen. And we were just doing the best we knew how to do. But, but I, I, I kind of took that growing up as this mindset of like, oh, if bad touches us, we become bad. And a lot of times we've lived like that. Oh, I'm not saying that there aren't things that you don't want to give yourself to, but we live in this place where we end up living in a bubble because we, we're so out of fear. We're like, if we don't touch, if, if that touches us, we're bad. And said the, the Old Testament, what you saw is if you touch something unclean, you became unclean. But then you see Jesus come and he is the holy one who touches the unclean thing and it becomes holy. I, I believe when we are led by the spirit, what happens, because you are a walking holy of holies, you walk into the darkest place, into the most evil place, and it is not causing you to become dark and evil. It is actually, I believe that place is waiting for your salt and light to be let out so it can become salt and light, right? That, that unholy thing is waiting for someone who has been with the holy one to come and touch it so it can become holy. Amen? That's what we're called to. That's why Jesus said, you are a city on a hill. That's why he said, you are the salt of the earth. He wasn't just using cool language. He was saying, you need to understand when I'm in you and you are a walking holy of holies, you are a dwelling place for me. Wherever you go, I'm with you. So whatever you touch, whatever you speak to, there is the possibility that that unholy thing becomes holy. Amen? Come on. That, that is your inheritance. Some of you, you, you're sitting here and you've already disqualified yourself. And I believe today the Lord is saying, this is who you are. You might not have seen it manifest in your life, but the Lord today is saying, you need to lean in. The Lord's saying, you need to throw off the old things. You need to throw off the form. Some of you, you've been trying so hard to abide by the rules that you've missed the Lord. Come on, he, he wants 
to fill you. What, what does it say in Acts? It says that when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive what? Power. Your life is meant to be a powerful life. Don't settle for anything else. If your life has looked different than that, you might need to seek the Lord and ask him why. And it might be that he wants to cut away some things. He's not gonna beat you up. He's gonna deliver you so that you can walk with him. He wants to bring you to ground zero so he can build something in your life. Amen. All right, let's keep going. Um, in religion, we try to protect reputation at all costs. Dependency causes our identity in Christ to be fully intact, meaning dependency on the Lord. Our approval comes from the Father alone, not our position, possessions, or opinion of people. In religion, we try to manage and control people's lives by building rules and restrictions to maintain an appearance of holiness. Accountability in this culture is making sure everyone is abstaining from sin. In dependence on the Lord, we are all learning to be led by the Spirit, and Jesus is the standard. Follow me as I follow Christ. Accountability in kingdom culture is holding people accountable to their ability, not their disability. We, put the, we pull the gold out of people. Amen? In religion, without dependence and trust in Jesus, we must create man-made parameters of spirituality because we can't obtain the real thing. We are deceived into thinking this is real and then proceed to project these parameters on others, which makes us feel even more self-righteous. In this culture, we judge people's spirituality according to outward appearance, religious measurables, and conformity to the church or community we belong. In religion, we tend to live in independence from or dependence on other people. In the kingdom, through dependence on the Holy Spirit, we become mature enough to have interdependent relationships where we learn to not only receive strength, but to give it to others. I know I'm moving fast. You can take pictures if you want. Again, we'll send out these notes. We are not afraid, in the kingdom, we are not afraid to submit to one another in love because the Holy Spirit is our source, but the Spirit has led us into healthy relationships with others. So, to wrap up, land in this plane, what are we called to? This is what you're called to. Look at somebody and say, this is what you're called to. I like it. Number one, life in the Spirit. Life in the spirit. Ephesians 5, 15 through 20 says, be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish. Don't be a fool, okay? But understand what the Lord's will is. So what's the opposite of foolishness? It is to know the Lord's will. Um, do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Spirit, speaking to one another in psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. I, I do think in, in a lot of ways he's talking about literally drunk on wine, but it also represents this. Don't be drunk on the natural. Don't be so consumed with the carnal world where it's like you are moved by the latest news article that just hits your phone. Sometimes when I'm preaching, my iPad will like drop a news article and it, it seems like it's in church, it's always a depressing news article. I'm just being real, like it happened this morning. But it's like, it, it, a lot of times it's like you see something and you're like, oh, it totally wrecks you. But whenever you are walking with him, it's your first reaction to things that 
or seem like a natural issue is not from a place of lack or disappointment, but when you're walking with him, you begin to say, Lord, what's your solution? What are you speaking to that? You begin to think differently. Your response is different. I love looking at the disciples, okay? The disciples with Jesus, they were always, they, it was like they were never on the same page as Jesus, okay? They never. It was, Jesus, we can't do that. Jesus is like, watch this, all right? Telling the children, oh, he's too busy for you. And he's like, let him come. The children are my heart, you dummies, you know? And um, the disciples, they didn't get it, but there was this moment in Acts when they're filled with the Holy Spirit and the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, it starts to live in them, begins to direct him. And then Peter, he's walking by the, he's on his way to the temple and he walks through this gate called Beautiful. And there's a beggar there, a man who is lame. And he says, can I, he basically says, hey, give me something, throw me something, mister. And he, uh, and Peter's response is not, well, I don't have any money, dude. Maybe next time. Something had changed dramatically for Peter. Something changed. You know, he was probably one of the voices when the boy came with the loaves and fish and said, we don't have much. How are we gonna do this? He was probably one of those voices, but the moment that he was filled with the Holy Spirit, he began to see how Jesus saw. He began to think differently. He began to approach things differently. So this man asked for money, this lame man, he says, Hey, I don't have silver, I don't have gold, but what I do have, that's what I'm about to give you. What if the church, what if if our solution for everything wasn't just giving more money? What if our solution was there's something residing in me that isn't just gonna be a temporary change for you? There's something in me that's coming out of me because, of, because I'm a walking holy of holies that is about to dramatically change everything about your entire life. Isn't it what Jesus did for us? You've been given the same ministry. And so he tells the man, he says, get up and walk, get up. And what did the man do? He got up and walked because Peter had something unseen but that was deep inside of him that carried, that he didn't just have a form. It, it reminds me of this, when Peter came to Jesus after the tax collectors confronted him and say, hey, do you and your master pay taxes? And Peter's distraught because he's like, I don't know. And he comes and he's in the room with Jesus and he doesn't even say anything, but Jesus says, hey, Peter, who pays taxes? Is it the sons? of the wealthy or is it the lowly? And, uh, and Peter says, well, the lowly. And he says, so the sons get to go free, right? What was Jesus doing? He was saying, I'm gonna teach you to think differently. He says, so go catch a fish, go do the thing that you're good at. And when you catch that thing, I want you to pull a coin out of its mouth. It's gonna be enough to pay your taxes and my taxes too. He was saying, I'm teaching you to think differently. I'm teaching you that I don't operate according to the world system. I am operating at it from a different reality. You have looked at solutions in one way, but Jesus is saying, I wanna take you on an adventure where solutions are heavenly and they have something divine about them that can't be explained. Something that causes people when they encounter you, and when they encountered Jesus through you, 
where they say something is different about that, but it has spoke to eternity inside of me. That is who you are. That is who you are. There is no one excluded from getting to be a dwelling place for the Lord, from being a walking holy of holies. This is the requirement you surrender to him. You plant your feet in the ground and you say, Lord, I want you and I need you and I'll receive you. That's it. And you continually do that. Number two, what are you called to? You're, you're called to honor him. Let me read this. Malachi chapter two, four through six. And you will know that I've sent you this warning so that my covenant with Levi may continue. God is a covenant making God. He wants to make covenant with you. This was his covenant. Um, he says, my covenant was with him, a covenant of life and peace. And I gave them to him. This called for reverence and he revered me and stood in awe of my name. True instruction was in his mouth and nothing false was found in his lips. He walked with me in peace and uprightness and turned many from sin. The covenant he made with Levi, if you go and read the whole book of Malachi, the people of God had determined not to honor the Lord, but the Lord brings Levi to their attention and says, he determined in his heart that he would honor me. And because he honored me, he walked out in joy and peace and he turned many from sin. I believe that's what our lives are meant to look like. When we honor him, there becomes a distinction. There becomes something so distinct about our lives when we have determined to honor him. And the, the fruit of that, is walking out in peace and joy, being led by the Lord and turning others away from sin. Amen? The last thing, you are called to give yourself in worship and prayer. It's actually one of the ways that we worship him. It's one of the ways we honor him, I mean, is worship. It's this, it's coming to into agreement with him. It's, you know, in Acts, one of the, the one of the things that happened as a result of them being filled with the Spirit was they devoted themselves to prayer and the teaching of the apostles. There became a hunger for the Lord. And my prayer today is that spiritual hunger would be released in the church where we begin to say, Lord, I need you. I want you. I want to be full of you. Amen. Let's stand this morning. I want us to do this. I, I, I want, we're gonna do this as a body, but maybe for you it's individually, but I don't know about you, but I don't want a form, but deny the power that could really set me free. Anybody with me? Anybody wanna shed every form that doesn't have the power of Jesus living in it? Anybody, a few of you? So I want us to do this as, as the body, as the church. I want us to come before him. And I want us to just say, Lord, we, we don't want the influence of a religious spirit. Lord, we want, we want to be intoxicated with the spirit of Jesus, with the spirit of Christ. Come on, let's lift our hands to heaven. Jesus, today, we, we, even, we just repent for allowing our minds to be inundated with, with carnal things, with things, Lord, that you aren't saying and doing. Lord, we repent for all of our works that we've brought that you never asked for. 
And we say today, Holy Spirit, come and fill us. We today, we decide we want to come under your influence. We want to come under your leadership. We turn from every other thing that has been leading us. And we say, Holy Spirit, come and lead us. Come on, let it be the cry of our hearts today. Holy Spirit, come and lead us. Holy Spirit, come and fill us. Come and pour out on your people today. Come on, I believe that the Lord is wanting to, to cause the, a cry for an outpouring of the Holy Spirit again, even in this region. Lord, today we say we want an outpouring. We want you to come and live in us. We want you to come and rest upon us. Today, Lord, we step out of all of our religion, all of our religiosity, all of our stuff, and we say, Lord, we are trading all of that for an outpouring. We are saying we want you. You can come and offend our minds so that you, we can be full of you in our hearts. We say yes to you today. We say yes. Come on, we just say yes to him. Jesus, we say yes to all that's on your mind, all that's in your heart. You know, the Bible says this, King David, it says that he fulfilled all of God's purposes for his generation. Think about that. David fulfilled all of God's purposes for his generation. I believe he is looking for some people that would say, Jesus, what are your purposes and how can I be a part of fulfilling them in the earth? So today, Lord, come and consecrate your people. Come and consecrate your people. Come on, worship team, would y'all come up? I want us to just sing that on the altar song and the band's gonna play. You can stay and worship. We're gonna have our prayer team, but I just wanna make space for the Lord this morning. I wanna make space for him to come and do this in our hearts. And I'm asking you, I'm saying this, don't be a bystander. Don't be a bystander today. Don't say, well, that was a cute message and that was awesome. And then don't, and not let it permeate your very soul and say, Lord, you can do this. For me, my prayer is this, it doesn't have to be everybody. But I think that those who cross that line in their hearts with the Lord today, you are going to be a walking holy of holies. You are gonna be the one that walks into a room. And you know that it wasn't just you that walked into a room. It was the very holiness of God that walked into a room. Not because you became puffed up and you took on, it was because you got out of the way and you let the spirit of God come and do what he wants to do. So Jesus come. Jesus, come. Come on, just tell him this morning, Jesus, come. Come on, do we, want, do we want him more than our next meal? I just feel like, like, can we just take a few minutes? Can we put aside our, our plans for a moment and put our eyes on what he wants? He wants to come more than you want him to come, but he's looking for hearts that have made the decision to be a resting place for him. He's looking for those who would come in humility and desperation and say, Jesus, we need you, we want you, we can't live without you. You're the only one that matters. Jesus, come. Jesus, come. Thank you for tuning in to our Sermon of the Week. For more information, please visit us at thewellspringchurch.org.